You're listening to the Late Late Lunch Show on Radio Alty, supported by the Owners Club, helping small businesses to grow and prosper. So it's Rod Maxwell for Radio Alty, and today I'm out and about, and I'm down in uh, Atlantic Street, and I'm speaking to Martin Buckle, who's the MD of Atlantic Timber, a place I'm sure many of you have often been to, and certainly I have. Martin, hello, how are you? Hi, Rod. Yeah, I'm good. Good, good to meet you. And nice to meet you too. Now, can I ask you about the background to Atlantic Timber? Because for me, I, I've been here since the early 90s, and it was part and parcel of the area, but uh, how long has the business been going, and what's the origins of it? We've been trading from our current site since 81, and my stepfather, Roy, he set it up in 1981. But the story goes back a bit further than that. In, I think, 1936, there was a parent company, Chesworth Brothers, and they started making balsa wood aeroplanes. That was, the, that was how they started. That grew to a bit of craft stuff, uh, a bit of skirting board, the odd door casing, and it sort of grew and grew. Um, and Roy and his brother, they went their separate ways in 81. Roy's brother carried on running the parent company and Roy set up Atlantic Timber uh, and that's gone from strength to strength. And it's essentially still a family affair? Yeah, still a family affair. Yeah, I bought Roy, my stepfather, out in 2016. But I think what really kind of, what, what pushed him over the edge, if you like, was when we went computerised. He, he was an old school guy. He was, he was a, lot of, a lot of our customers will remember the handwritten receipts that we used to have. You know, it was like the post office where we'd stamp yeah. it, paid, rip off yeah. the top copy, and yeah. that, was, that was your order. Um, but, of course, there's a lot of, lot of problems with that. Trying to tra- track anything, stock tape was a nightmare. So I decided, you know, being straight out of university, I wanted to make us a bit more modern, a bit more 21st century, and decided we needed to go computerised. And I think that was that was the beginning of the end for Roy. Really, he thought, no, if if there's computers involved, that's not my not my bag. And, and yeah, twenty fourteen we went computerized, and now it's great. If you know, if we need to reproduce a receipt or an invoice, it's at the touch of a button. Uh, and one of the things that used to frustrate me a bit before that was some of the big customers that we had at the time, like John Lewis, the Christie Hospital. All the local schools, they would have been getting a handwritten receipt from us. And if they were unlucky and got someone with bad handwriting, try, you know, sending that into a head office at John Lewis, they must have thought, what, who are this old-fashioned firm are dealing with? But there was a certain charm to that. And I remember when we changed to, to uh, computerisation, a few people came in saying, oh, I want, can you go back to the handwritten stuff? I know where I'm at with the handwritten stuff, but... No, it's made, it's made life much easier and, and helped us progress, you know, since then. Well, I want to talk about the evolution, not only of the business, but the business you're in, because mm-hmm. the building trade has changed, the, the materials people are using are changing mm-hmm. all the time. How do you keep up with that? And, and how do you keep Atlantic Timber current? So we'll take a break. We're back speaking with Martin in a couple of minutes' time. It's Rod Maxwell on Radio Walty, and today on the Late Late Lunch Show, I'm out and about, and uh, I'm in a place that I first came to probably about 1996 when I uh, bought my first uh, house with my uh, girlfriend, now wife, and this is where I seem to spend most of my Saturday mornings, and and although it's changed, it's still got that smell and feel about it, Martin, you know? And what always struck me was when you came here, the, there was a camaraderie of the men, the, the guys who were, who were here, and they all had knowledge and expertise around the building trade as well as the materials. Was that something that was very conscious that, or, or just happened, if you like? 
I think that was Roy's style. He, you know, he was the then owner. And a lot of the guys he employed had worked for him because he'd had a bit of a, a bit of property, so he was building houses. And it was, he used to, used to find that guys that had worked for him would end up needing a job. And he'd say, well, do you want to come and work for me? So there were guys he knew they were handy. And throughout the time I've been here, we've always tried to employ people who've been a self-employed joiner or a self-employed builder. Quite often there were people that were coming to the end of their career as a builder and didn't fancy lugging bricks around a building site, but had all the knowledge. So they would come and work for us. So I think that gave us the edge um, over our next door neighbour, which was B&Q for 25 years. Yeah. People would come into us and they'd quite often go to B&Q first and realise the person that they were speaking to was, you know, a 16-year-old lad who'd, who was straight out of school. Uh, whereas they'd come to us and nine times out of ten, the person you were speaking to could advise you on the job you were doing because they'd done it. So that's, that level of experience was something that I think sets us apart a bit from, uh, from a lot of our competitors. And that, that level of customisation, even down to the wood cutting that you mm. do, and I remember going to the cutting room and, and you know, I, I think you, you make radiator grills and stuff yeah. like that. So you, it's almost like you, there was a, a, a dish, maybe to stay ahead or be a bit different, you, added, you had more added on services, if you know what I mean. Well, I think that's probably what, Kept us, kept us afloat really because it, it, even now you can go to any builder's merchant up and down the country and buy a sheet of plywood or a sheet of MDF but if you want it cutting there's, there's no one that seems to want to get involved with that some of the bigger B&Qs will cut something in half for you so you can get it in your car yeah. but if you came to them with a list and said I want three of these five of these two of these I'm making a set of wardrobes they'd say that's not that's not our cup of tea so that's really what and every level of I think the, the industry loves that because if you're a DIYer you probably haven't got the tools or the skills if you're a joiner and you're on site at Mrs Jones's house building something by the time you've set your saw up and if it's, you know, you're doing it under a gazebo on someone's drive and it's raining not ideal circumstances for cutting wood so quite often they'd nip in here get it cut get back to the job and then they could they could crack on and in managing the business where you're trying to to balance between the commercial trade mm-hmm. and the private trade um, is it is it hard to do that do you have to think in two different minds because uh, or, or is it quite a seamless easy thing to to achieve no it, it's it's an, it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge that because Pricing is always difficult because if you're if you're a trade only place, you can set your you can set your prices to people who are buying in bulk. Whereas if you've got people coming in DIYs who are only buying one of something, difficult to price that in such a way that meets both you know the demands of both those customer bases. So we try and offer for the uh, for the for the trade people who are buying in bulk, we have discount structures for for bulk purchases to try and make make it appealing for people who are buying one of something, you know, and the convenience of that against the person who's buying a pack of 100 pieces. So we set, set the price to, to help them as well. You are listening to The Late Late Lunch Show on RadioAlty.co.uk, supported by The Owners Club, helping small businesses to grow and prosper. Martin, how has the building trade to me seems to have changed it's become a bit more technologically innovative Um, is that something that's hit the range of products that you supply and you've had to adapt to or it's created new products, new markets, new services or has it not been as applicable to Atlantic Timber? 
No, it has been. I can remember the stories of, uh, of Roy in the old days. You used to have to buy timber. You have to buy a whole wagon load of one size. So whatever you wanted, we'd have to buy it in, say, 8 by 2 If someone wants a bit of 4 by 2 we'd have to get a bit of 8 by 2 off the, off the rack, cut it in half. A bit of 2 by one you have to cut that. So everything needed cutting. If somebody wanted a door, a door casing making, we'd have to rebate it ourselves. And so the days of... Uh, of that are gone. Luckily, now everything's pre-prepared, so door casings come shrink-wrapped. Everything comes, um, you know, pre-pre-done for us, which makes life much easier. Um, but and a lot of the world is going to pre-finished products now. The, the days of French polishers painting stuff or your polishing stuff, you know, everybody wants convenience now. So that has sort of is played into our hands a bit because we can we can order stuff in pre-finished or pre-machined. Um, so that does make life a lot easier. On a technology side, that's something we've always been keen to sort of invest in, having the best saws. Uh, and I, I remember the, the most recent one we bought, the price was eye-watering, and you could have bought something half the price. But when you read the reviews and you speak to people in the industry, there's a reason why they're half the price. And we've always um, stuck with a German brand called Altendorf. They're dead reliable. We've got one of them we've had since 2001, and it still cuts as accurately now as it did on day one. Uh, so having the right machinery, and again, I think that's one of the reasons why customers come to us because they know that it's going to be cut perfectly every yeah. every time. And that, that's, I mean, I've I've been into the cutting room and you you you, you see a huge piece of MDF coming in. The guys are holding it, and you know the next thing is cut up in 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 minutes. It's all quite computerized and and mm. programmed in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we've just we've just bought a new piece of machinery, um, a Trend Yeti uh, Smart Bench, which is a CNC controlled router so we're going to the next stage the saws although you can key in all the dimensions they get you know the guy has still got to do a bit of work but now with this uh, cnc tool we can program it um to, to do shapes pictures um uh, things that are repeatable because that was something we used to struggle with a bit if somebody wanted the same thing cutting 10 times you know, a circle we'd have to cut each circle by hand a bit labor intensive this bit of kit, we program it in and it just beavers, we can walk away and it beavers away and machines all these circles. So you get efficiency and you get precision as well. Yes, yeah. And the, the sort of the shapes are great. We've had, we've had a couple of interesting jobs recently. And we've, we've had these jobs all through, our, uh, all through our time, but we've had to do it by hand. But we've just done a couple of soldiers, a couple of World War I soldiers for Remembrance Day. So we did that for Hale Civic Society last year, but we had to do it by hand. This new, this new machine, we're just scanning the picture and it cuts them out for us. Uh, we've just done a couple of ghosts uh, for a, a Halloween-themed event in Altrincham. So, yeah, so all those sort of things, historically, we do by hand. We, we do them, but they're a bit labour-intensive now with this new bit of kit. We just tell it what we want and it does it for us. Can I ask you about recycling and sourcing as well? Mm. Um, you know, um, I, I guess responsibility around sourcing is mm. a big, a big topic, and making sure that you are seen to be recycling and and meeting all the objectives. Uh, has that? I mean, have you had to relook at where you source timber from to meet certain standards that the customers have or you have yourself? And have you had to put certain things in place to? be more conscious of being environmentally friendly if you like luckily i think the timber industry although you don't hear much about it i think that they've been well ahead of the game with sustainability for decades because it's just it's, it's almost baked into that industry now everybody that's um, that's in forestry management that's importing timber 
everyone's got to be the PEFC or FSC certified. You know, they're real strict sustainability credentials. So for us, that was, that was a, a relatively easy step because the people above us in the supply chain were already doing it at every step of the supply chain that was, that was ingrained in the, in the process. So we uh, became FSC and PEFC certified probably about 10 years ago now. So anybody that's buying wood from us knows that we can trace it back through every step of the supply chain. I think FSC and PEFC both say that they can trace it right back to the tree. Yeah. So wow. I've never tested it, but <laughs> you could trace it right back to the to the tree, back to the forest where it was felled. So it's, it's part and parcel of our industry, really. And, and in terms of that sourcing and, and wood, where, where is the majority of wood that comes into your, your shop coming from, or even just coming into the UK coming from? Most of it comes from Scandinavia. All the stuff that's uh, bought for joinery, um, that's all Swedish or, or Finnish, Latvian, that, those sorts of countries. Um, some of the more, the construction industry, that relies a little bit heavier on the UK. So there's some timber that's classed as homegrown. So Welsh, Scottish uh, and Irish mills, they produce a lot of uh, timber for the UK construction industry. But because it's not quite as cold in those places, it's not, it doesn't grade quite as highly as Scandinavian stuff. So a lot of uh, decking that comes from comes from Scandinavia is slower grown, so it's supposed to be more stable. Uh, yeah, be- a better quality of timber comes from colder climates. So most of it comes from from Scandinavia. A lot of sheet material like plywood that tends to come from the Far East. So there's a lot of ch- uh, Chinese production. So that's more f- from tropical hardwoods that's used to make those sort of products. But again, strictly controlled. You know, if they don't meet FSC or PEFC accreditation, then it, it won't come into the UK. And you just uh, talking about decking there, and you suddenly give me a flashback to DIY SOS or all those programs. Tell me, I mean, you you must see or you must have seen in the past the correlation between certain DIY programs that were prolific during the 90s and the noughties. Not so much now, but uh, when DIY just went boom and the housing industry went boom in this country. Uh, I mean, how, how that just have been, must have been a mad time, was it? Well, I think my stepfather would probably be able to answer those questions better than me because that was where, that was in his heyday, really. You know, in, in the nineties, it was the, the the UK DIY boom, and he was in the right place at the right time, selling the right products. So I think he, you know, he made a lot of hay while the sun shone in that period. Yeah, uh, more recently, yeah, we. we I, I think that's something else that sets us apart a little bit. We try and have a close eye on current trends. Um, and it seems like it's a constant job for me to be looking out for the next new product and trying to, to source that you know, at the right price and, and, and publish it through social media and marketing campaigns and things like that to try and not only get the right products, but tell people that we've got them. You're listening to The Late Late Lunch Show on Radio Alty. Supported by the Owners Club, helping small businesses to grow and prosper. I want to ask you about Brexit. Um, and given maybe where you're sourcing some of your products from uh, and you know the, that European nature of that, how, how much of an additional complexity has it been now to the way that you source the way you bring stuff in or have you had to change your strategy for that to adjust 
Luckily, because we don't, we're not a direct importer. We've been shielded from that a little bit. It's, that's somebody else's problem. A couple of steps further up the supply chain, but obviously it affected price, or it has affected price, because those importers they'll be paying higher prices and all the costs associated with bringing things into the country. So that's there's a knock-on effect there, price-wise. Uh, it's affected availability of some products as well. You know, different parts of parts of Europe that are a bit trickier to get goods out of now. Um, so, so yeah, that, that has had a knock-on effect price-wise and availability of products. We've had to maybe sort of broaden our product range a little bit to try and shield us from that, source things um, from alternative suppliers. There's certain, certain materials that have become harder to get hold of. And luckily, some of the, the mills that we've got good relationships with as they've tried to find alternative products so that that doesn't actually affect the end user. And does it feel from your, uh, your side as a supplier to the building industry that we're seeing... Um, a consistent strength or a consistent amount of building going on in the UK? Does it feel optimistic about what's happening there or does it feel a bit confused, if you like? I, feel, I think it does feel a little bit confused. I think that there's definitely a slowdown in construction. Uh, obviously, there's, there's other factors like interest rates and cost of living that are affecting that. But luckily, we've got such a broad customer base um, that we seem to be able to sort of ride those waves out. Uh, I always say to people, if the housing market is booming, we're doing well because people are moving house and they're renovating. If it's not booming, people tend to stay put and do little bits of DIY at yeah. home. So we yeah. sort of we sort of win on you know it, whichever whatever's going on in the world. We seem to um, seem to do okay. Martin, I want to ask you about being part of Altrincham and the business community, the wider community. You're um, very much involved, linked to Altrincham Football Club, as, as we are, and I think you, you supplied the materials for a recent fan zone as well. How, how important is it to your business to be part and parcel of what goes on in, in the Altrincham in the wider area? I think that's always been a, a bit of an ethos of, of ours, you know, a stepfather before me. Because we're involved with all the schools, we seem to get asked if we'll donate to various school projects. And that sort of ties you into the community, whether you like it or not. Um, charities as well. I think because we've got that friendly business sort of vibe to us, people think that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll help them out. And we do. We, we tend to, uh, to donate to all sorts of charities. Um, that we've, we've had a, did some sponsorship with the Ice Hockey uh, Club, um, Manchester Storm more recently with Altrincham Football Club. And yeah, that was a really nice connection just on so many levels with the football club because they're so uh, community focused. That really took, you know, tied into our ethos as well. And there's a few nice things about the, the colour scheme just so happens to be the same colour scheme, <laughs> red and white as ours, which was yeah. a nice tie-in. Yeah, um, yeah it was, it's great. And it's, it was, what was nice about that was I feel like it's two kind of cornerstones of the community. I sort of see ourselves as a real landmark business in Altrincham, been going for 42 years. The football club is, you know, it's a real uh, heart of the community. So it's nice that there's two two big companies getting together. Yeah, and, and, and I think community is, uh, the sense of community seems to be strengthening, especially mm. coming out of um, COVID lockdown period. Just, just how hard was that period to navigate a, as a, a, a business and business in the building industry? Well, again, we had a bit of a stroke of luck. When um, Boris made his announcement about the lockdowns, we, we, we closed. And I was trying to read as many government documents as I could, and it turned out home and hardware stores were exempt. 
so we could trade. So we had our, we had our two-week period off uh, while we were sort of gathering ourselves, came back and we operated uh, a click-and-collect service, a home delivery service. Um, our, our e-commerce website, just the sales of that went through the roof. I think everybody, everybody up and down the country that couldn't do anything else, couldn't go on holiday, couldn't spend the money anywhere else, mm-hmm. was spending it on the house. So it was, it was an absolutely chock-a-block period for us. I remember I was going in earlier and earlier, coming home later and later. I think at one stage I was doing 11-hour days just because the amount of orders that were coming through. I think I was trying to employ everybody that I, that I knew that was on furlough. I, I had both of my brothers working for us at one stage in our wrapping department. <laughs> so the website sales were going great. They were both on furlough. So both of them came to work for us in our wrapping department. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really busy time. But... I suppose it it did it did play into it played into our hands. It was a pro, it was a product and service that we were good at that we were known for, uh, and all of a sudden became massively in demand. So we were we were there. We were at the right place at the right time. Uh, our website we'd been growing that for about five or six years um, beforehand. So we had a good e-commerce website with a good product range, a good delivery setup. So that's that stood us in good stead, you know, to uh, to do well during COVID. You are listening to the Late Late Lunch Show on RadioLT.co.uk, supported by The Owners Club, helping small businesses to grow and prosper. So, Martin, before we finish off, I'm I'm interested to to think, um, talk about the future of the business. Where, where do you think the next 10, 20 years will take um, Atlantic Timber? Well, we're trying to, to sort of make the make the most of current technologies to make us more efficient, uh, to to appeal to sort of a broader um, range of customers. Our website's helping us do that. It, it amazes me some of the orders that we get from the, the other end of the country. We'll get a decking order from someone in Cornwall, and there must be a million places to buy a decking between here and Cornwall. But having a good website, good SEO work, good product range, good information on the website, I think helps us out there. So. I think the, the future really is to become um, a, a national, you know, a national uh, company that can service people up and down the country, which we do. We do at the moment, but that you know, there's we could grow that, I'm sure. Uh, and I think we'll keep our, our customer base in Altrincham. Uh, I think perhaps we need to get a bit better at marketing to those uh, those people locally. Again, every now and then I speak to somebody and they say, "Oh, I didn't know you existed. I never knew you were there." And I think, flipping it, you know, if you only live in Sale how can you not have heard of us but so there's there's two kind of two customer bases really to tap into to make sure that everybody within a 10 mile radius knows who we are and to attract you know the customers up and down the country you know that, that point about brand management uh, it it seems amazing in this day and age of social media and the internet that you can go around and people don't know that you exist and, yeah. and you you assume that everybody would and it um it it takes a bit of thinking about how you digitalize your marketing or how you get your name out there without being false if you know what i mean I think as well it tends to be sort of slightly younger people that are used to perhaps buying stuff online all the time and if they've, if they've not actually gone to the local timber yard they perhaps wouldn't have heard of us and they're, they're the sort of people we need to try and um, target with our social media um, you know our, our, our advertising and one, one last question um, in terms of your network into the business community in Altrincham mm-hmm. I, I, in the last 
couple of years, I, I've spent a bit more time around that, and I can see how vibrant it is and mm-hmm. how organisations are starting to support each other and work together. Uh, are you seeing that as um, growing and building, developing, and, and you're, you're right behind that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I've, I'm, the, I'm the current president of the Altrincham and Sale Chamber of Commerce, so I'm, re- I'm really involved in that sort of Altrincham sale, businesses dealing with each other, I joined the Chamber of Commerce just as a normal member about five years ago and then was asked to join the board about three years ago. Um, and I, I, sort of, I saw, what was, I saw the, what was coming, you know, I was, I was sort of ascending the ranks and then I was put forward to be president. So, yeah, I'm a big, big believer in local businesses trading with each other. And I've always tried to do that as a business anyway. It was sort of, that was part of our ethos. So now I've got a platform to be able to promote that to other businesses and just try and encourage people to trade with other businesses it, where they live. It's much easier to deal with somebody that's a mile down the road than a national that's, you know, a hundred miles away and you never see them. So I'm a firm believer in dealing with people that you can you can go and see and you can shake their hand rather than, you know, a big national company. So yeah, I think trading with each other, that's, it, it helps the town prosper. Uh, it helps the towns be a, a, a more inviting place to, to live and to work. Well, look, thanks for your time. Uh, it's lovely to be back here again. I have to say, I gave up DIY a, a few years ago because I decided I was terrible at it and it's far better to get a professional in. But uh, lovely to be back. Thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, thanks for coming to see us. Thanks, Rob. You're listening to The Late Late Lunch Show on Radio Alty, supported by The Owners Club helping small businesses to grow and prosper.